presentation that I made at a national conference a few years ago. So I know many of you have asked about my research for my PhD dissertation. Well, this is a presentation that uh, ended up being reworked for a chapter in my final dissertation and will be yet again reworked uh, to be in the final uh, publication of my dissertation. So here it is. Enjoy. This paper is called Sing a Song for the Poor, Ethical Reflections on the Language of Poverty and Justice in the Psalter. This presentation is a summary of findings from my own detailed linguistic work on the language of poverty and justice in the Hebrew Bible Psalter, as it relates to ethics, focusing on two components of my research. One, ancient attitudes about poverty, and two, how justice was administered in light of the poor and marginalized. I'm not attempting to classify poverty by applying a modern ethical or economic paradigm. Instead, I'm looking at how terminology about the poor and justice advocacy for the poor appears in ancient Near Eastern texts, with particular focus on the Hebrew Bible Psalter, to determine what these texts have to say about ethical behaviors through various portrayals of God and humanity by their authors. In a Western American context, it is easy to forget that poverty exists in a much greater way globally. I often remember a 2016 NPR report centered on a village in Yemen struggling to survive in the devastation of war. One family had barely enough to sustain themselves. They were trapped by an unthinkable decision to invest what little they had in renting a vehicle to take their sick toddler several hours to the nearest medical facility, only to wait upon the chance of help, or provide food for their other children. The toddler lay outside his family home without expression, without care, food, or drink, and no one to nurse him to health. He was an orphan, abandoned to fate, voiceless and representative of utter poverty. This image is useful when considering South African scholar Evan Scheffler's warning, one must acknowledge that in the context of academic debate, one deliberates and writes as being non-poor, as part of the elite. At best, we can find non-poor voices who may attempt to champion for the poor, endeavoring to express desperation on their behalf. In this manner, writing about the poor becomes a kind of exploitation. Certainly, even the most poor has something to communicate on their own behalf, through words, song, or even through voiceless expression. Advocacy of the poor is an imperfect task. In this study, advocacy is discussed in terms of intentional ethics embedded in ancient Semitic texts. Writings about the poor can be found very early on in the ancient Near East, dating back to Egypt's Old Kingdom dynasty and early Mesopotamian legal codes. In Mesopotamia, legal codes were sanctioned by the sun god Shamash, who was affiliated with judgment and justice. As early as the 2nd millennium BCE, Mesopotamia ensured the security of the poor or weak against the unjust sway of those in power. In Egypt's old kingdom, references to the poor confirmed a social order which was balanced by the existence of haves and have-nots, where the balance of order, called ma'at, was maintained as the poor remained poor and the wealthy remained wealthy. However, a shift for concern over the poor can be seen in the New Kingdom era within the writings of Amenemope during the Ramesside period, circa 1200 BCE, which was thought to have been characterized by a religion of the poor. Giving to the poor not only promised to bring happiness and blessing, but also care for the poor preserved ma'at, 
which in the jurisdiction of the deity Amun-Ra, is affiliated with justice. These various texts situate Semitic terminology for the poor in a cultural context that shows concern for justice as proper judgment and care for the disadvantaged. There are many similarities between the legal codes and wisdom literature from either side of the Levant and those in the Hebrew Bible. As in Mesopotamia, the Hebrew Bible purports to condemn the wicked for their treatment of the poor, and more specific correlations exist in concern for the orphan and the widow, a phrase thought to have been borrowed by Israel from neighboring nations as a symbol for those who are in need. Wisdom literature in the Hebrew Bible also corresponds to Mesopotamian ideals that the correct way of life involves protection of the weak. These commonalities show a widespread shared cultural value in the ancient Near East for taking care of the poor in one's own community. This study will explore those values in the Psalter as a collection of writings from the Levant region that lays claim to a broad regional influence as well as broad temporal context, representing early Semitic textual traditions, as well as late, recent scholarship of ethics in the ancient Near East has leaned toward the Hebrew Bible Psalter as a collection of writings that have been long received as liturgical texts, poems, and songs which are practiced in the cultic settings of worship in antiquity, as well as in modern religious practice. In the Hebrew Bible, seven words are attested to describe people of socioeconomic disadvantage, the avion, the rosh, Ani, Yatom, Dal, Dach, and Anav. Five of these words appear together, compacted in two verses in a single psalm, Psalm 82. It is the most dense list of synonyms for the poor in the Hebrew Bible. In Psalm 82, the marginalized are victims of injustice and held captive by the wicked. The remaining two terms are sometimes overlooked due to possible etymological connections, but they are independently present in the Hebrew Bible and in the Psalms and treated as such in this study. Furthermore, to include aspects of the relationship between poverty and powerlessness, I will also look at Ger and Almonah, the foreigner and the widow, who remain economically and socially vulnerable in the Psalter. This study contends that there is a call to identify these marginalized and give them a way to be brought out and into wellness through freedom from their situation. The significance of these terms for the poor lie in their use throughout the Psalter. Collectively, they refer to those who have lost all of their possessions, are insignificant and powerless, those who have lost status in the community due to the lack of a father or a household, those who are needy or oppressed facing economic challenges, those who are in general state of economic need, and those who are forgotten and miserable. One term is distinct in that it always occurs in the plural, describing the poor who have found restoration in God's judgment and help. An oft-occurring theme about the poor is that they are constantly under the influence of the wicked and in need of salvation. This is also the case for including additional figures of marginalization, the widow and the foreigner, who are in many ways living pictures of poverty. In the Psalter, Almonah appears only five times, mostly alongside the Ger and the Yatom, the foreigner and the orphan. The Almonah, or widow, is a woman without a husband. She is often subject to the wicked, and her socioeconomic status is low. While the term Ger, or foreigner, occurs only four times in the Psalter, it occurs in the Hebrew Bible as a whole more times than any other term in this study. The word appears to have the sense of a shelter-seeking refugee who has been displaced from their ancestral home. At least six, six cognate languages contain the same word with a small range of semantic meaning. 
The fate of the ger in the Psalms is tied up with that of the yatom, or the orphan, and the almonah, or the widow, subject to the wicked and in need of help from God. The ger represents individuals and groups of people subject to justice systems outside of their control. In several places, a psalmist appeals to God for special consideration and relies on the argument that they themselves are poor. This paints a picture of a God who prioritizes the poor and needy. Recognition of the Hebrew God as one who responds first to the poor is not unique in the Psalter. After all, the Hebrew patriarch, Abraham, began as a refugee in the Levant region long before the Israelites came to dwell in it, and the Hebrew people were born themselves from slavery. The significance of inclusive language of the poor in the Psalms is the consideration for the marginalized during a time of devotion and practice of faith, thereby concern for the poor becomes itself part of the liturgy, an act of faith that proceeds from a community of worship. But questions of application still persist. How can the poor be helped? Also, what happens when the poor are not assisted? These are questions that Psalm 82, at least, attempts to address by presenting terminology of justice alongside terminology of the poor. Rhetoric about poverty often ends in rhetoric about justice, and vice versa. Consider more recent historic voices such as Martin Luther King Jr. or Nelson Mandela. Advocacy of justice is usually centered on the poor. Why? Because the poor are dependent upon the community, and caring for the poor is just. The main concern for the poor in the ancient world is that they receive advocacy and judgment, and that proper judgment makes way for justice. Several psalms represent language of justice alongside language of poverty. Such language in the Hebrew Bible Psalter, as a liturgical text, extends concern for the poor to human ethical practice that goes beyond the wishes of a deity or the duties of a king, indicating that acts of justice extend to the broader community. There are four terms of justice that wrap around the terms of poverty in Psalm 82, verses 3 and 4. They are word sets commonly witnessed in pairs throughout the Hebrew Bible. In verse 3, the word pair is from the roots affiliated with justice and righteousness, tzedak and shofat. In verse 4, the word pair is from roots more commonly associated with freedom and salvation, natsal and palat. These word pairings are common to affirmations and critiques of justice throughout the Hebrew Bible. The ancient Near Eastern concept of justice is rooted in righteous judgment. This ideal of justice is prevalent in ancient Near Eastern texts. The concept of justice is inseparable from righteousness, which can be found in Hebrew, Mesopotamian, and Egyptian texts. There is a linguistic connectedness in cognates for justice that is symbolic of shared cultural values for social justice and order in these regions. While justice exists independent of judgment, the idea of righteous judgment is promoted in the Hebrew Bible as a description of proper justice. One example of Hebrew Bible critique of injustice can be found in the prophetic book Isaiah. The composer presents terms of justice alongside terms of violence to juxtapose the failure with expectation. In the poetic verse, God expects justice and righteousness, tzedakah, and Meshpat. And instead, God finds Tsa'aka and Meshpach, bloodshed, and a cry for justice. The poetic symmetry 
draws attention to the lack of distinction between antithetical behaviors. In the Psalter, God administers judgment, oversees judgment for the righteous, and is also called upon to save the oppressed, the needy, the orphan, and the poor from judgments that would lead to death. Requests for deliverance from judgment indicates that sometimes judgment is unjust. For example, consider aspects of salvation in escaping a judge. Look at Psalm 109.31 and Job 23 and 9, which has been noted that judgment, at least implicitly, has the threatening force of a sanction. Where judgment is corrupt, aligned with the wicked intentions or support for the wicked, escape from judgment is imminent. However, God is described as an administrator of justice who is accountable to uphold a virtue of righteousness. The Psalter affirms a relationship between the Hebrew God and right judgment. The verb shofat has clear cognates in Akkadian, in Ugaritic, in Amorite, and in Arabic, with meanings ranging from to rule, to judge, or to exercise authority, and to obtain or administer justice. The verbal root occurs more times in the Psalter than in any other Hebrew book and is often compared with another Hebrew term meaning to judge, din. The verb shafat is linked with verbs that mean to defend or save those who are marginalized. It is representative of a gesture of compassion. The verb tzadak includes cognates in the Amorite and Canaanite, Egyptian Aramaic, Ethiopic, and Arabic, with a meaning of just, sincere, right, or truthful. In the Hebrew form, as it appears in Psalm 82, its meaning reflects maintaining rights or declaring innocence. In all occurrences in the Psalter, the verb tzadak is accompanied by shafat. The act of judgment often occurs as an intervention in defense of someone who is righteous, tzaddik, and whose rights are threatened by or injured by the wicked. As in ancient Near Eastern cognate languages, the occurrence of tzadak is an adjective that qualifies shafat to signify proper judgment or justice. As a verb, its use is significant to ethical considerations, and its frequent occurrence in the Psalter suggests its importance to the virtue of order and well-being in society. The second word pair includes synonymous roots to save or set free. The first, palat, indicates wellness, and the second, natsal, indicates freedom. Both terms are significant in assuring the remembrance of Hebrew origins as a people delivered out of slavery. This is a major ethical concern in the Hebrew Bible, freedom and salvation for the oppressed. These terms serve as a critique of Mesopotamian ideals unmet. According to the prologues to the laws of Ernama around 2100 BCE, Lipit Ishtar of Isin, 1930, and Hammurabi of Babylon, 1750, The monarch completed his duty when he eliminated cries for justice as well as violence and enmity, therefore establishing well-being or shalom. Where a speaker in the Hebrew Bible cries out for freedom and salvation, the success of a ruler in the ancient Near East is challenged. In the Psalter, the term palat is connected with a reeve defense or a legal intervention. The verb includes cognates in Aramaic, Ethiopic, Ugaritic, Akkadian, and means to get well or be in good health. It is also linguistically connected to another Hebrew root, malat, meaning to flee. Psalm 82 clarifies the object from which the poor should be made free, the hand of the wicked, which in context of the psalm may also be the rulers. The verb natsal includes cognates in Arabic, Ethiopic, Ammonite, and Egyptian Aramaic. It means to extract or draw out. The verbal root appears more than twice as many times in the Psalter as in any other Hebrew book. 
Most of the occurrences in the Psalms are in the imperative, demanding salvation. The verb not saw, like its counterpart, palat, is synonymous with a reeve defense. It is parallel with shafat in the Psalter and Torah to indicate a combined effort to judge and save. This is a notable theme in the prophets as well. The word pairings for actions of justice in Psalm 82, 3, and 4 stand out as thematic of divine justice throughout the Hebrew Bible. In the Psalter, these demands echo a familiar expectation of just acts by God and King in the broader ancient Near East. They also echo the prophets' continuing advocacy for social and economic reform. In the Psalter, these terms become solidified in a community of worship. The composition of Psalm 82 rings a bell of justice that reminds hearers of prophetic advocacies, of historical interventions and divine attitudes toward protection of the poor. Rhetoric about justice that acts on behalf of the poor is granted in the ancient Near East. Ancient Near Eastern legislative texts center on the divine right of the monarch to take steps in seeing that society is fair and rulings are just. The Hebrew Bible reflects attitudes of justice common to ancient Near Eastern rulers in making provision for the poor and caring for the weak. Prophetic texts show critique against injustice in ruling classes and even confront the king. Many psalms are prophetic in nature as well, using language of justice that provides advocacy and defense for the poor against those who would take advantage of them. Justice terms in the Hebrew Bible are often associated with acts of advocacy for the poor and advocacy for justice. The Psalter extends these attitudes from ruling classes to broader society. Injustices are communicated through appeal of a cry for justice. The motif of the cry for justice is pervasive throughout the Hebrew Bible, an important aspect of the Israelite socio-religious heritage. As early Mesopotamian texts imply, it is the historic and traditional duty of a king to correct society, leading in such a way as to eliminate cries for justice. According to the Hebrew Bible, written by a marginalized people in the ancient Near East, this was not achieved. Justice was not upheld by the rulers, which led the early Israelites to seek out help from another source. The Hebrew God came to answer for the Israelites. And the biblical text affirms a stronger advocacy for care for those who are marginalized than that which can be found in cognate literature. The inclusion of justice advocacy language in the Psalter implies that all members of society must contribute to eliminate the cry for justice. The Psalter contains a great number of references to the poor and disadvantaged. The Psalms not only refer to communities or classes of people, but also to individuals. References to poverty implicate material need as well as metaphorical. In contrast to legislation that protects the poor from injustice— and the sages who communicate indifference, the Psalms engage the subject of poverty on a level of personal involvement. It is in the liturgy that a community of worship is faced with the plight of the poor. Not only that, but they are tasked by the standard that God establishes by example. In the ancient Near Eastern world, where humans were normally held to higher moral standards than those of the gods, the Hebrew text challenges this ethic by describing God as one who practices correct behavior toward the poor. A community that is shaped by the Psalter considers caring for the poor a priority. This is evident in modern reflections upon the Psalms, as well as in religious communities that promote teachings centered on care for the poor, including Judeo-Christianity and Islam. 
The significance of inclusive language of the poor in the Psalms is the consideration for the marginalized during a time of devotion and practice of faith, thereby concern for the poor becomes itself part of the liturgy, and as a result, the responsibility of justice extends to all of society. Justice for the poor is then an act of faith that proceeds from a community of worship. While that concludes the formal presentation of my research, I have a few notes of reflection on practical implications of this study for ethics. In other words, how has this study shaped me? The topic of justice and poverty has practical relevance for today's world as it did for the ancients, so here are four observations. One, the problems of inequity in the ancient world are reflected still in today's social world. A recent United Nations report brought up the observation that in a Western American context, rhetoric about poverty is defined by politicians who describe the wealthy as industrious and entrepreneurial and the poor as wasteful and scheming, when the reality is that poverty is a global human problem. While the media more readily reports on the devastation of war in places like Yemen, even the United States has been named a clear and constant outlier in the Child Poverty League. No human is exempt from the problem of poverty. Number two, I see the Psalter as a collection formed from a polyphonic marginalized society of people overshadowed by large national entities on every border, attempting to address and model advocacy for the poor, even if only for their own sake. Psalms about the poor and justice are a significant contribution that deserve reflection especially since at least three world religions today share the Psalter in their respective sacred texts. Number three, when considering the influence of practicing the Psalms in community, there is evidence of its influence in recent history and in the modern world. For example, I can think of two British authors whose literary contributions advocated for the poor during the Victorian era, Elizabeth Gaskell, who was raised a pastor's daughter and married a minister, and Charles Dickens, whose devotion to Christianity led him to write out the story of the Christ for his children, published posthumously. The religious traditions of both authors exposed them to weekly liturgy that included reflection on the Psalter in psalm and prayer. Gaskell and Dickens not only referenced psalms in their writings, but also wrote social critique that shed on injustice in the workplace, unjust legislation, criticisms of attitudes regarding charity from the wealthy and the religious— and the plight of the poor. Both also confronted their readers with sympathetic characters of poverty, evoking sentiments of justice-seeking advocacy. These authors have become apologists for the modern use of the Psalter. And number four, studying the language of the poor and of justice in the Psalter has confirmed for me the significance of what Gordon Wenham demonstrated in his book called Psalms as Torah that liturgical use of the Psalms engages the participant in a response to ethics. It is, as the Talmudic saying goes, we do not see a thing as it is, but how we are. 